is certainly so great and greatly to be praised in Jesus' name. Praise God. We're looking into the subject tonight of the mighty God in Christ, which makes all the difference in the world. Praise God. Aren't you glad that you're not rejecting truth and that you're receiving it? Folks, that is something that I, I want to be more thankful for in Jesus' name because it's the Lord that helps me to do that. I don't want to reject truth. I want His truth to, be, to be, uh, have, it, have the preeminence in my life in Jesus' name. They're, they're right here it says, The historical novel, The Virtues of War, this Mr. Pressfield recounts a fictional meeting between Alexander the Great and a philosopher. I don't know if do you know who Alexander the Great is. He was the guy that uh, actually conquered the known world at that time before he was even 27 years of age. Yeah. Then he killed himself. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a hard one. But Alexander the Great had conquered the then known world and was a powerful leader. He was heralded and feared by countless subjects. And this man, Pressfield, poised that the famous emperor encountered a the, the philosopher on the riverbank, and the two men engaged in an argument over who had the right to proceed over the river first. Well, one of Alexander the Great's men exclaimed, This guy just conquered the world. What have you done? And the philosopher replied and simply said, I have conquered the need <laughs> to conquer the world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That one hits right as an arrow, doesn't it? Yeah. So like Alexander the Great, it's easy for us, even as followers of Christ, now think about this, to become intoxicated by pride and ego. We have to battle this stuff every day. And so we may even find ourselves engaged in spiritual pursuits for carnal reasons. And you see that throughout the Bible. God does not let those things be hid, you know. And so think about that. John the Baptist, and, and incidentally is who we're going to study tonight, the character of John the Baptist, is such an intriguing figure because he was willing to let his ministry be diminished so Jesus could be glorified. Think about it. We'll look at that here in just a few minutes. In John 3 and 30, he summarized the goal of his ministry. Now, this is John by saying, He must increase, but I must decrease. And while Jesus took center stage, praise God, that was the ultimate thing. John's words and actions testified that he had conquered. Now, listen, those words and those deeds showed us that he conquered the need to be in the spotlight. And he chose the path of humility, knowing it was the only way for God's kingdom to be advanced in this earth. Quite a con uh, something to contemplate, isn't it? Yeah. And so you contrast John the Baptist's example with what we routinely see happen with today's so-called celebrity-crazed, spotlight-craving culture that you and I live in, many professional athletes attempting to hang on past their prime, unwilling to accept that they are no longer capable of competing in an elite level. We see that all the time. They seem more concerned about, you know, stroking the ego than the success of the team. And politicians are no excuse either. They continue to seek re-election even when it is clear that they no longer possess the strength and the energy to fulfill the duties of the office. They live off yesterday's achievements, not considering whether they are able to adequately represent the needs of their constituents in the present. So we need to learn how to put God's kingdom first. Can you say amen? amen. I saw um, uh, something somewhere. Oh boy, that's about as vague as you can get it, right? Um, but I did, I did. 
And, you know, in this peacock world that we live in, and the other day I saw an article. Um, I still, um, from time to time, read articles on baseball and that type of thing. I, I love the game. There's nothing wrong with the game of baseball, okay? There really isn't. It's just some of those folks that are out there that are, that are playing it. But uh, one of them was, one guy was making reference to the fact of the, of the stare. You know, how this guy had hit a home run, and man, he was just staring down that pitcher, you know, as he would walk around those bases. If I'd have been that pitcher and didn't have the Holy Ghost, that guy'd have got a 95-year, 95-mile-an-hour fastball right at his chin. But it, that's how it is. People, they just, they want to, they you know, prance around like a bunch of peacocks. And then, you know, um, I, uh, the game, you know, has, has gone on for a long time. Um, many of you, you know who Mickey Mantle is. And he wrote, he said one time, and I'll never forget this. I, I, I should have copied it. But he said, you know, whenever he hit a home run, he would not look, he would look down as he would run around the bases and, and be humbled. And his idea of that was, he said, you know, the pitcher feels bad enough about what I just did. <laughs> he says, I don't need to make him feel any worse. But I thought to myself, here's one of the, you know, I mean, he isn't the greatest home run hitter, but one of the greatest home run hitters around. And, you know, he didn't prance around like some peacock. And that's what we have today. We have a world that just wants to, you know, wants to show how great they are. And I'm not here to bring criticism to that. Um, because you could go on and on about those kind of things. I mean, my goodness, the newspapers, the internet, everything is full of that kind of stuff. That's why when we look at an example like John the Baptist, I think it's clear to understand, you know, the, uh, what God is pleased with, how God would want us to handle things in life, because God's blessings do come. How many have ever experienced the blessings of God? Sure. I hope that you're aware of the things of God that he's done in your life, you know. But the point of it is, is how do we handle those things? Where do we go with them? I mean, are we, you know, um, involved in some of the same things that, that we're just talking about here? Well, I think it, it again, I think it, it behooves us tonight as we look at the mighty God in Christ because that's what it is all about. God so loved the world, we talked about this last week, that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus, of course, came into this world not only to um, example uh, the things of, uh, of the Word of God, but to teach us and to help us to understand exactly what they meant. I was thinking tonight, um, and I, I, I think I, I will read this. Uh, the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and, um, and verse number 5, I think, is where it begins. Chapter 2 and verse number 5. Make note of this. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I think that's an excellent, excellent attitude for us to strive for. This mindset is actually what it's talking about. How did Jesus think, you know? Who being in the form of God, verse 6 says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, it's the man Christ Jesus that had to put this thing in the right perspective. God has always had it in the right perspective. God doesn't make any mistakes. The Spirit of the Lord doesn't have an ego that has to be pumped up or, or deflated, you know. But the man Christ Jesus had to deal with this stuff. Doesn't it say that he was in all points tempted as we are? So if we're dealing with this stuff, he had to deal with it too. And so the Scripture, I believe, is talking about the man Christ Jesus when it says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And then it went on to say, but made himself of no reputation. There, I mean, really... 
um, uh, th that's a lot of the crux of the matter, is that a lot of times the reason we get upset, we get jealous, we get envious, whatever the case is, is because a lot of times we're trying to protect our reputation. And, um, and I'm guilty of it just like you are, and I want to I wanna, I wanna really curb that. Um, recognize when it comes and just say, God, let's just put that one right down, right now, and not even go there. Let's not even give it any, any time. And so he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a, of a servant, which I believe is one of the counterbalances God gives us. I believe if we can learn how to be servants... I believe that we will not, uh, that it's not we won't have any problems with humility, but I think we'll have less problems with it if we can accept the fact that one of our greatest roles is that of a servant, and accept that that wherever we're at, whatever age limit, wherever we're at, that we accept the fact that Jesus did this, and I want to do it too. And so then it says in verse number eight, in being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we see there's two deaths there. The ultimate death, of course, was a cross that brought about his demise here on this earth. But Jesus was dying daily, just like he taught us that we had to do. He said, if you want to be my disciple, he said, you're going to have to learn to deny yourself, which is a big thing. And then, um, you know, and then pick up your cross and follow after me. And so we understand that Jesus set the tone. Amen. But what about this guy named John? Um, I, he had a very, very unique upbringing. Let me read something for you. Look at um, the, the, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. Um, it talks about John here. It talks about his parents uh, his father, in particular, having a hard time with the miracle that God wanted to bring into their life. Um, but nevertheless, you know, God was able to do that. Scripture says in verse number 13, I'm in Luke chapter 1, it says, But the angel said unto him, and this is the angel talking to Zacharias, it says, Fear not, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and shall call his name John. So the marching orders were right there. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice in his, or at his birth. Now this is John. This is the forerunner, okay? And it says in verse 15, this is something that I thought is, is pretty unique. It says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. I have that underlined in my Bible because I want to really, really capitalize on that. Um, I want to always have that as the form forefront of what I'm doing. God, are you pleased with this? Am I doing what you would want me to do? Am I handling this the way you would like me to handle it? There's too much public uh, peer pressure there sometimes that can get us off of that. And if we can make up our minds that, that we want to be great in the sight of God, I believe we will. I believe we will, but the world a lot of times will not know it. And it says, And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, note that, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Think about that. And so God had already had something special planned for John. Amen. And so I think that's unique. People think about the Holy Ghost, you know, only being active in the New Testament. Well, that's not true. You know, John had the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. It might have happened when Mary walked into the room and, and, and gave a salutation or whatever it was that they did. The Bible says the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. 
I'm, I can't guarantee or say that for sure that that's when John was filled with the Holy Ghost, but the Bible says that, that the angel told um, Zacharias that he was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So you see, God can do whatever he wants. He really can, and I think that's very, very, very important for us to understand, especially in lieu of this lesson. You go all the way to the end of the chapter here, I'm talking about chapter 1 of Luke, and you see that, again, there's not a whole lot written about certain subjects in the Bible, but it does give us enough of an indication to understand how he kind of ran his daily life. Look at this in verse 80. Again, this is referring to John the Baptist here. The scripture says, and the, and the child grew, that is John, and waxed strong in spirit. Do you see that? You remember the lesson Sunday morning where Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica? And he said that, I, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved unto his coming. You know, because they really thought Jesus was coming back then. Literally, when Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, he gave the indication that Jesus was going to come back, you know, within the next week or a month or a year. And so he was praying that, but I, I, I feel like it was the Holy Ghost that directed him to put that in the right order. That it's the Spirit, praise God, that God contacts. It's the Spirit that God realistically is trying to constantly renew in your life every day. And so consider that, okay? Consider that. John was strong in the Spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. He read, led kind of a secluded life. You know, didn't get caught up in probably many of the things that were happening at the time. Praise God. Let me show you something else here that kind of goes right along with this. Look at the third chapter of the book of, um, of, of Luke, and this will put this in perspective. You know, the Bible says there, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Now we're fast forwarding here. The scripture says Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee and the brother Philip tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Tech. Oh, those names, you know. The Bible says, and what it's doing here is it's telling you who was kind of in charge in that day. And if you ever read a newspaper, these things would be important. But I want to show you something here. Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of the Lord came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. In my opinion, that stands out and is a whole lot more important than whoever else was in charge right there. Now, can, you, can, can it be said to you today that the word of the Lord is coming to you on a regular basis? That's something to think about, isn't it? Why don't you just close your eyes right now and lift up your hands and ask the Lord to give you a quick examination right now. Is that something that's important in your life? Or are we caught up with all the hoopla that's going on? I'm telling you something. God wants to make that important because it was important to John. And we're studying the character of John tonight. So we want to look at what some of the ingredients in his life that helped him to really do what he could do in Jesus' name. Come on, there's somebody in here right now that God wants to renew that process. Come on, he wants to renew the process that the word of the Lord can come to you. It can help you to be directed in the name of Jesus. And oh, what a, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing that God will do for us in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise God, praise God. And so again, as we look at this character, John the Baptist, and a lot has been said about him, you know, and Scripture gives us a, 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 a definite understanding that his ministry was very, very well known. I mean, when John came out of that wilderness and he began to baptize, that was a public thing that never happened before. And I mean, the popularity of that thing just simply went bananas. And a lot of Christianity, so-called Christianity today, we see follow the same trends. That what's popular, you know, what are, what are, what's the big celebrities doing? What are these people that are so-called important in our, in our world, what are they doing? What do they think about it? And, you know, I found myself the other day reading something of that kind of an account and saying, so what? You know, it's not that I'm trying to put that person down, but that person doesn't know how this works. And so this is why God gives you an opportunity, praise God, to learn how it works. That's what he does. And so, again, part of that process is to keep God's kingdom at the forefront. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and a lot of other things would just kind of automatically come into play. And so let's consider that tonight as we take a look at that, praise God, because we can take a lesson from John. I mean, to tell you, Jesus had nothing but good things to say about him. I think that's pretty cool. Look at this. I'll, I'll show you this. Look at Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. And of course, this is when John, in, in the, fina, or the final stages of his earthly ministry, gets thrown in jail. And I mean to tell you, it doesn't look too good for him. And of course, you know, we think, well, you know, John was a super, uh, you know, spiritual person. No, he was a person who had red blood just like you and I. And he was just double-checking here. Listen to what he said. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. This is in verse 1 of 11 of Matthew. It says, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And then it says, Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent his two disciples and said unto, the, unto, unto him, the disciples did, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now listen to me, folks. That's, I think that could be... Um, Classified as doubt. And so you must understand, you know, there's going to be times. I look at Thomas in the same boat, you know. He misses a good service. And then he comes in and everybody says, man, you should have been here. Jesus is right here in the midst and we just had a great service. And John, and, or Tom just says, Thomas says, listen, if I can't put my fingers in his hands, I'm not going to be totally convinced. And somebody might look at that and say, boy, the arrogance. No, I think that's, that's the right deal. He wanted to be sure that whatever was happening, that he knew exactly what it was. And I think it's the same spirit here. John's going, hey, is this, are you really the one? You know, didn't have, he hadn't had much good to eat in here, and boy, everybody's telling me I'm going to die and all that kind of business, so a lot of negativity going around this jail. And so I need to, get, I need to squash that. You know, are you really the one? Look at the response. Jesus didn't say, go back and tell John that he needs to grow up. No, he didn't say that. Look at what he said. The Bible says, go and show John again. Now listen to me, saying, I'm telling you right now, this is what God will do for you. He'll show you again. He's not against that. He's not reminding, he's not against reminding you of what he's already told you and reconfirming what he's done in your life. 
Come on, folks. I'm going to tell you something that was my experience with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But God didn't throw me out of the church. He didn't tell me I was some, you know, no good person. He just, every time I went to that altar, he would confirm it in the name of Jesus. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I'm telling you right now, God wants to reconfirm that stuff in our lives. And he will. But you're going to have to stand, you're going to have to stay around the pool, folks. You know, you go out there and wander out into that world and you start getting their opinions, you're going to have all kinds of stuff that you're going to be battling. But in here, at least you can contain that a doubt, praise God. You can lift your hands in faith, you can worship the Lord, you can speak the word of God in faith, praise God, and you can begin to see the things of God again in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, we're following John tonight. That's what he had to do, okay? And so the scripture says that he says, tell them what's going on here. The blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised, and the poor have the gospel preached unto him. It kind of sounds like what God wants to do, right? And the scripture says, and, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And boy, I found out that in the Christian circles, that's one we have to guard. You know, and I think what Jesus is really referring to here is, you know, don't get offended with how I do things. You know, you might have your own little agenda. You might have your own little way that you think it should be done. But I'm going, my kingdom comes first. And that's where I see people that they can get easily offended at the things of God is because their kingdom needs to come first. Their agenda needs to be on top of the pile. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. We can learn from John that that's not how it works. Can you say amen? It's a good lesson. It's one that has to be repeated over and over in our lives, by the way. This is not a one and done. This is something that a lot of times it'll speak louder with, with, with a lot of the experiences that you and I go through. And so this is what he said. Now, as they departed, look at what Jesus does. It says, um, Jesus began to say unto them in verse number 7, or unto the multitudes concerning John. John's in jail, okay? Well, what went you out into the wilderness to see? What were you expecting? when John came onto the scene. Him in his high fashion camel skin clothes, you know, his very limited diet. Wow. Would you consider that, you know, locust, would you consider that a keto diet? I don't know what kind of a diet it is, but my, I'm gonna tell you something, it was very limited, you know. And so what Jesus is saying, what did you guys expect? What were you looking for? He says, a reed shaken in the wind, it says, but that, what went ye out for to see? Okay, now you went out there, what, what are you looking for? A man clothed in soft raiment? Yeah, the, first, the third chapter of the book of Luke, you can read the first verse there and it'll share you the people that have that. But the Bible says, um, he says, Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? He said, yea, I say unto you more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. John was the one that had to stay focused because one of his major, major assignments was to point out the Christ. That day when Jesus came down the trail, praise God, and he knew who he was, he pointed his fingers to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. That was John's cue, praise God, that his kingdom was starting to come to an end. 
I wonder what, what, you know, what do we do when that happens? Yeah. Well, verse number 11, and let me go on after this. It says, Fairly I say unto you, Jesus again, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. What a compliment. And again, it wasn't because of the money he had. It wasn't because of the prestige. It wasn't because of his ego. It was because he kept his ministry intact, which was the ministry of he must increase, but I must decrease. Wow. I'm telling you something. What a beautiful lesson for us to learn, praise God. And so when Jesus said he was the greatest that was born on this earth, wow. I mean to tell you, it's fantastic that you and I, we have to be reminded of that on a regular basis. Can you say amen? amen. Would you just, for about 15 seconds, just close your eyes again, lift up your hands, and say, God, I want you to do that to me tomorrow. I want you to do that to me the next day. And the next day, and the next day, in Jesus' name, yes, God, we give you permission, Lord God, to treat us just like John the Baptist. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. And I believe you will. I believe that you will in the name of Jesus. And so I thank you, Lord God. I give you the praise, and I give you the glory in Jesus' name, Lord. Oh, what a beautiful place for us to be. Oh, what a beautiful place for us to be. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know how much of it I'm going to be able to read tonight, but if you can um, give it a mark in your Bibles, the third chapter of the book of John, the Gospel of John, we talked a great deal about this last week. We talked about the born-again experience. We talked about Jesus' words that mean a whole lot more than anybody else's. But at the latter portion of that chapter, I'm talking about chapter number three now in John, the Gospel of John. You know, the Scripture says... <clears throat> In verse number 22, it says, After these things came Jesus. I'm, still, I'm in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 22. It says, After these things Jesus, it says, came Jesus and his disciples unto the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. I like to use this as a reference that Jesus did do some baptizing in his day. Amen. And somebody asked me, Well, what do you think he baptized in? I said, Well, I'm going to assume that he baptized in his name. Okay. That's what I'm going to say, but I can't prove that. But all I'm saying is that Jesus was a baptizer, okay? And so here it is, because of Jesus taking on the ministry now, and this is the point that I want to make, what this does is this brought contention. Look at verse 25. I'm still in um, uh, John chapter 3. It says, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying it says, and they said unto, unto John, and, or, and they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. So there's an observation. What's happening here? And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given, given him from heaven. And so again, John answers them with the idea that, listen, he's the one. Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And so we see that John's ministry, praise God, you know, began to uh, witness to the fact that he is the one. Amen. And, you know, you think about us today, you know, that's really one of the primary purposes that God keeps us here on this earth. is so that we can witness of, of him. So we can witness about God. This is what we and I, really, one of our biggest um, assignments, if I can put it that way. 
you know. You know, uh, they, they say here, you know, uh, the, one of the, the, the cover things here, I will remember that my job is to point others to Jesus. That's really what it comes down to, you know. And so um, that can be very difficult for us to swallow sometimes. But again, that's one of the reasons I read Philippians chapter 2. Jesus found himself in a very similar situation as a man. But the Bible says he didn't take upon himself a reputation. He humbled himself. He became a servant. Jesus told his disciples, the greatest among you, he said, he shall be your servant. And so when we, when we think about um, pointing people to Christ, you know, yes, we can say a lot of things, and I think sometimes that is warranted. But what are we doing for the Lord? Amen. I got a, a, a little blip the other day from the church over in Sheridan. I thought it was pretty cool. Brother Bernie's doing a, an excellent job over there. The other day I found out that he went to the park one day, and he just started handing out food to people. And I thought, now that's a unique ministry. That's pretty cool. That's what he did. And, and so I, I, I thought, wow, I, I like that. Um, but the, the other day he was sharing online, he was sharing, and he had a picture of it in the sanctuary. And, and what was happening was they were cleaning the sanctuary. And the two, uh, he was there, of course, and I think one of his other sons, but the two, his two older sons were there running the vacuums. And he, he made the point, he said, I am so proud of my boys that they feel like what they're doing right now is worthy of God's time. And I thought, wow, what an illustration. What an illustration. Now, I'm not going to get on people for not cleaning the church. That's not the case here. The point of it is, is that that servant attitude. That is so important if we want to stay humble in the sight of the Lord. And, you know, people notice that kind of stuff, especially in today's world. My goodness, where a lot of people don't want any part of it. But you and I, we take part in serving the Lord in whatever capacity we can. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's going to not only honor God, but in my opinion, that's going to point people right to who he is in Jesus' name. Now think about that the next time, praise God. Some, some of that kind of an opportunity, praise God, you know, comes up. Because one of the things that John did, and I underlined this, and I want to I bring this to you. I, I know I don't have a whole lot of time here. But John the Baptist used the analogy of a wedding to convey this truth to his disciples. Now, he was asked, he said, what about this guy that's over there? You know, what's, what's, what's this all about? And, of course, then he, he, first of all, he says, you can't have anything that you didn't receive. You know? And then he talks about the wedding, praise God. And, 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 and he conveyed this truth to his disciples in a wedding ceremony. Now think about this. The roles are clearly defined. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Amen? Yeah. John told his followers in John chapter 3 and verse 29, the bridegroom and the bridegroom are the focus of the event. Not me. And so all eyes are on them. Come on, when's the last time you went to a wedding? Amen. And, and, and the, guy, the guy who's officiating the wedding, he says, okay, everybody stand, you know, and come down the aisle. And here's this beautiful lady in a, in a white dress and her father, whoever, is, is bringing her down or whatever the situation is. And wouldn't it be weird for somebody to walk or to jump out of the, out of the, the side sections or where the seats are and say, no, no, I want to walk down there first. 
Everybody look at me. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't you want to get up and slap a person like that? Come on, now really, wouldn't you? Well, do you realize that sometimes we get pretty close to doing that? That there are times when God really does want to show Himself mightily on our behalf. He wants to get all of the credit. But all of a sudden, we, are, we're, we find ourselves in a place where we, we want to take some of that credit. And we wonder why we don't feel so good in the presence of the Lord. It isn't that God is condemning us. I think sometimes our actions are. And so let's remember the fact, praise God, just like John. Remember, John's ministry got off the ground pretty good. There were all kinds of people that were coming to be baptized of him. I mean, I'm talking hundreds to thousands of people were coming to be baptized by John. And one day he just thought, man, I, gotta, I, forgot the, I don't want to forget the message. And so he turned off the baptismal tank and he said, now listen. He said, before I'm going to baptize anybody more, anymore, I'm gonna, I want some fruit. I want some fruit that there's repentance taking place. What a bold statement that, to really take. Why is that? Because God gave him that message of repentance. God, you know, groomed him in that wilderness, praise God, so he would not forget what was going to be one of the prerequisites requisites for the Christ to come. People weren't going to recognize him unless they were truly involved in repenting. And so John didn't forget what, his, what, what the goal in, in his ministry was. And so I think sometimes this is what you and I have to get back to, the simple aspect of, what am I doing here? Am I presenting myself? Am I presenting our church? Am I, you know, the things that go on in here? Or am I just clearly presenting Christ? I think that's something for us to really contemplate from time to time. Amen. I want to show you something here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I'm kind of veering off here a little bit, but I think this will make sense. The Apostle Paul, he comes to Corinth and his ministry is getting off the ground too, or I should say the church is getting off the ground. But watch this. The Bible says in verse number 1, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, it says, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you. Look at this. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wow, you talk about getting right back to where it all began. That's what John, or not John, but Paul, absolutely, praise God, wanted to portray. And you see the reason for that. Look at verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And verse number 4 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Look at verse number 5. Come on, you need to underline this in your Bible. That your Faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, that's what God is trying to do. He wants the center stage. He wants people, praise God, to see him through everything that we do. And boy, the ministry of John was absolutely representative of that. Amen. Amen. Now you imagine the chaos and the confusion that would come, that would ensue if one of the guests, like I said, tried to usurp, you know, the, the scene when you got this bride and you got this groom who this is what the, this is what the day is all about. And they would stand up and say, no, you know, give me the hand claps or give me this or give me that. 
And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying, you know, in, 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 in that obvious of a matter, but sometimes in something, you know, maybe a little bit not so obvious, we can be guilty of the same thing. That God, what are you doing for me lately? And my goodness, you know, does his blood still work in your life? Amen. Praise God, are you still filled with his spirit? Do you still have that hope, praise God, and that, and that understanding that you're going to make it to heaven someday? Come on, all you got to do is just keep remembering that in the name of Jesus. Because he didn't take any of that away. Come on, he didn't take none of that away. And so you and I must understand that God doesn't take away the giftings that he already has. Praise God. You know, you think about the, the prodigal son, and we like to give him a bad time. But think of the elder brother. Here he comes along, and his, his younger brother finally comes back to church, and man, he's getting right with God and that whole thing, and all he can do is get mad. And what does he get mad at? He said, well, you never did any of that for me. And the, guy, and, the, and the father's reminding him, my goodness, it's right there for the taking. You can have as much of this as you want. Come on, you and I must recognize, praise God, God isn't going to force us to take these things, but because we're in His kingdom, praise God, we get to come back here on Wednesday nights. We get to come back here on Sunday mornings. We get to this weekend, we get to come back on a Sunday night, praise God, and we get to give Him praise. We get to feel the presence of the Lord. If we've done anything bad this week, we can come to the Lord, and by His blood, He completely, re he completely forgives us in Jesus' name. Come on! On, folks this is what he keeps doing for you and I oh hallelujah what a privilege our God gives to us amen and you and I we must recognize that praise God we must recognize the fact that that's what God is doing for us every day come on because you and I are in his kingdom Amen. And so this is the deal, praise God. God has helped us to understand, praise God, that He's not taking anything away. What He's doing, praise God, is He's accentuating these things in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, wow, what a God. What a God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. He is absolutely fantastic. Now think about this. You know, unlike the Synoptic Gospels, you know what the Synoptic Gospels are, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, they basically tell kind of a very similar story. They just do. I mean, you can almost follow, you know, each one of them in, in each one of those Gospels, and that's why they call them the Synoptic Gospels. But the Gospel of John isn't like that. It's different. You know, the Gospel of John basically, in my opinion, was, was created so that people would really, really, really um, uh, understand who Jesus is. And that whole book is really about that in, in the most part. I'm not saying it doesn't give us details about what happened and stuff, but the vast majority of the Gospel of John is portraying who Jesus is. And that's when, in my opinion, makes it very, very uh, powerful. Amen. And so in those Gospels, praise God, you know, um, John's account does not, or, uh, um, yeah, John's account does not, uh, I'm talking about the Gospel of John now, does not record John the Baptist's prison, imprisonment. You won't find that in the Gospel of John. And, I mean, I'm not saying that wasn't important. I'm just saying, well, for some reason, it wasn't the thing that was going to be highlighted. Okay. And so what you and I have to do, and, and I'm going to conclude this tonight by saying, what were John's last words? 
that we can look at in the, in the Gospel of John. And actually, the third chapter of the book of John is really, it, it is that. Let me show you. Look at the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. Gospel of John, chapter number 3. And the scripture says, you know, John in verse 27, I'll start in verse 27, Brother Jeremy. It says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. It says, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Isn't that cool? The scripture says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And says, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthy, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath said, to his seal, that God is true. And then verse 34 says, For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son, in verse 36, hath eternal life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. His last words were about who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And as far as I'm concerned, folks, I think that is powerful in the name of Jesus. Uh, real quickly here, in John, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number uh, 3 and verse number 11, you don't have to put that up, Jeremy, but John had declared there, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Isn't that powerful? Well, you fast forward and you go to the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 19. Look at this. I think this is so powerful and, 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 and it's so indicative of the fact that you and I, we might have lived a life here on this earth and we might, but if the Lord tarries, we might die and, 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 and so on and so forth. But our testimony, praise God, will live on and on and on, just like John the Baptist did. Look at chapter number 19. I know you're familiar with this, but let me just remind you of this. The scripture says it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. The scripture says, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Come on, there's our center point. And it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all of the men were about twelve. What a powerful testimony, praise God. 
Yes, John was there for a while. He was the one that was pointing people in the right direction. Just like you and I at times are going to be the people who are going to be willing to point people to the Jesus Christ that we know that can fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, I pray that God will help our services become more and more powerful. We've had some good services, don't misunderstand me. But I'm asking God to help our services to become more and more and more apostolic. That he will get the, the preeminence. He will be the one that people will see. As they walk into this place and they begin to see us worshiping and praising God and doing the things that we're doing, that the vast majority of what we're doing will point people to Jesus Christ and to him only in Jesus' name. Do you want to be a part of that kind of a movement in these last days? Why don't you stand to your feet right now and lift up your hands in the name of Jesus and ask the Lord to help you to become like that in Jesus' name.